Welcome to the Makom Israel Teachers Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? I'm hot, Mike. I'm real hot. <laughs> Look who thinks he's hot. And <laughs> after that uncomfortable greeting, uh, we welcome because it's just hot we have, here. And it, you made it uncomfortable. It wasn't uncomfortable that's before. True. It's, it's just very hot going, here in Israel. We're going here. through a crazy, crazy heat wave. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but we're not. But uh, we'll save traffic and weather for the tens. And right now, I want to welcome <laughs> Rachel, our political expert, so that we can discuss our new government. How are you, Rachel? I'm fine. I'm also very hot. Yeah. But we're well, fine. We have a government, at least. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy out there. I don't know what it means, you know, in terms of climate change or whatever, but this is not normal weather. Uh, I know... Uh, yesterday, I, uh, yesterday by us was 104. Yeah, that's pretty good. Over. And you're not even in like a super hot... You're like on top of nope. a hill, high altitude, so Nehusha is relatively cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I also I mean, compared to the Jordan Valley. Yeah, right. It must be brutal. <laughs> it was like Rachel, 52. You also live, you live in on Jerusalem, which is mountains. Yes, in Jerusalem, it's also very, very hot. Normally, we've got better weather, but... Yeah, so we... Days. Yeah, all three of us live in relatively cool areas, and it's brutal. I don't know what it's like. Uh, today's not a good day to visit Daganya in that Jordan Valley area, or, you know, Beit Sha'an. There must be... I, I should check. It's yeah. probably brutal. I know my kids live yeah. uh, in Givat Shmuel, and it's well over. It's like also over a hundred every day. All right. Well, that's what's really on our mind because I think we don't want to think exactly. too much about our new government because we yeah. are a little bit disturbed. Although, again, as we said in the last episode, at least there's a government. Do you agree with Alan and I? Both feel pretty strongly, Rachel, that even with all the dysfunction, at least we got here. That that's at least a positive. Yeah? Do you agree? Like glass half full. I, I agree, because as we said last time, we have to give them a chance. And right. actually, we have to give Gantz a chance. We haven't met him as a politician. We haven't met him as a leading, executing uh, policies. So we have to give him a chance, I think. And I'm very, very curious, mainly because he got many ministries uh, that are very important ministries, like his his people, and I'm curious to 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 see them as politicians. None of them, or many, some of them have a political experience, but in general they don't have political experience. So let's see. Um, but I think it's positive uh, because soft soft like. Yeah, finally we will we'll see the okay. government working. Right. Hopefully. Exactly. Okay, so now that we've gotten the positivity out of the way, <laughs> I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean it as like, but now, but but we acknowledge if we at least because there, there are some people who think that, and I, you know I've seen commentary like this, that that a dysfunctional setup is worse than than nothing, but I think something is better than nothing in this regard. But everyone has to admit this is a crazy, bloated, overstuffed, crazy cabinet, right? It is. It will be, well, it's the biggest government ever in Israel. We had never this amount of ministers and ministries and uh, vice ministers ever in Israel's history. And when I work at the Knesset as a guide, we always 
spoke about the, the the government table in the middle mm -hmm. of the of the Knesset in the plenary. You have a, a table in which the government will be seated, and normally mm -hmm. uh, they will add the amount of chairs they need in order to to seat all the ministers. Now they have to add another table in the middle to have them all inside. So it's crazy. We have more people sitting in the center of the of the Knesset than around the Knesset. I mean, historically, so, an 18-minister government's like a pretty big government. Yeah. And this minister, this is how many? 30 something. 36. 30 what? 36. 36. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, Yair Lapid in his very uh, sarcastic, bitter speech when the government was being sworn in, said right now there are fewer Israelis in hospital with COVID-19 on ventilators than we have ministers in the government. We could put a minister next to every patient in a bed and still be okay for, like that was his, because he said, look, you're, you're creating this emergency government for the pandemic, but we're actually okay with the pandemic. We now have more ministers than we have sick people, which was, did you, did you guys hear Lapid's speech or read it at all? Yes. What did you think? It was full of uh, slogans, as Lapid like to speak. He speaks with slogans, slogans, slogans. And he said something, I don't know, uh, really, first of all, he really attacked Gantz. They were oh, partners boy. for more than a year, and he attacked Gantz so, so hard. So that made me understood that they were not that united for this time. Like, not even the beginning, I think. It was hard to have them together all the time. I think they were dealing with a lot of internal uh, wars and internal tensions the whole the whole time. So they, um, when they those united, just exploded. They united originally to be the center left bloc. It was uh, Gantz's Chosn uh, Yisrael Israel Resilient Party with Lapid's Yishatid uh, Party. They worked together to build a big enough bloc to go against Bibi. Gantz decided, relatively recently, as we know, to to combine with Bibi to make an emergency unity government because of the coronavirus pandemic. And Lapid was, he didn't just disagree, and now he is the leader of the opposition. He swore, I, he would, he, he like basically swore, I would never work with a person who guaranteed me certain things. And now he went back on his word. I would never work with a person like that again. None of us would ever want to be in a room with a person like that. And, and he went after, I mean, it was, it was a scorched earth speech. Of how he's going to burn all his bridges and treat his opponents like enemies. That's how I heard it. Which and and I thought obviously we all agree with a lot of his criticisms about how bloated. You know, here it is. It's an emergency government. We're facing unemployment, and you're creating all these new ministries. With, you know, politicians are going to have bigger jobs, and they're each going to get a driver and a secretary and an office. You know, here we are through this financial crisis, and this is your. This is your emergency. I mean, a lot of his criticisms were 100% valid. We'll get to the crazy ministries in a minute. But it was the tone that to me was, I would say, dangerous for a democracy even. That when you treat your opponents, you know, President Bill Clinton used to say, uh, one thing that a politician needs to do his job well is a very short memory. You have to be able to work with people who yesterday, uh, you know, messed with you. And today you have to find a way to work with them because that's how you get things done in a democracy. You can't, you have to watch and know who you're dealing with, but you can't hold grudges that way. And it was, 
I could not believe it. I mean, it was. Do, do you agree with me, Rachel? Did you also hear it that way? Yes, it was very, very personal. And it's, a not, it's not the first time we hear Lapid with these tones. Right. Like after he, uh, he was in, uh, in Netanyahu's government in 2013, and then he also uh, ended uh, in the same position. He was the head of the opposition. It was the same. It's not the first time we hear this uh, Lapid's tone. And I think also people do not believe him like he thinks uh, people believe on him. Like, again, he, he speaks good. He writes very good. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm not sure that people actually believe him and will support him the next time. I'm not sure because of that tone that you said. It's not a it, very... It, yes. It, it, it's not good politics for him, you're saying. Yes, he's the way he's a politician, but we, we've never saw him really acting as a acting and doing something and leading only in the <laughs> beginning when he started the initiative party. But afterwards, he was just in the opposition speaking the way he likes to speak. That is the, the, the way we heard him in, on, on Sunday. Yeah, did you? Yeah, Alan. So I, I think if I, I'm going to speak a little bit in Lapid's uh, defense here. Excellent. That So first of all, um, he hasn't been. He's been in the opposition since he left the the Netanyahu government, whatever year. Rachel could probably tell better than me. I don't remember when that was. But you know, he, he when he came into politics, he joined the Netanyahu government, and then you know felt betrayed by Netanyahu and ousted and all that had political game. And since then, he's been in the opposition. With his main goal is to <laughs> dethrone Netanyahu, yeah. right? And he joined up with Gantz to dethrone Netanyahu. Right. And they fought together in the trenches for the last 500 days, whatever it's been, right? Over a year, right. they've been fighting together in the trenches to dethrone Netanyahu. And now all of a sudden, if I can use the war analogy, uh, Gantz went over to the enemy, right? Yeah. He feels... He feels like he, you know, he was betrayed. He's a traitor. I think he really sees that Gantz betrayed him and is a traitor to their cause. And uh, I, I totally and, get it. In, and in today's politics, in today's, I don't even know if it's today's politics. The Knesset has always been a vociferous, where people say crazy, outlandish things, and then six months later they're sitting in the seat. I mean, look how Gantz and Netanyahu talked about each other, right? True. Uh, up until now that they're sitting together. So I don't think it was any less uh, but, uh, negative but a, than Lapid has been saying. And I, I hate being the prosecutor, but I agree with you that the animus and the vitriol are not new in the Knesset or in any uh, government. But then, then, you, then you turn the page and you start working on... You start at zero. You start at, at, at rebuilding. I'll, I'll give you examples from Israeli and American politics of what I'm talking about. Okay? Uh, uh, look, everybody knows that Rabin and Peretz had terrible personal animosity, right? Everybody knew it. Oh, it leaked. There political. are no secrets. <laughs> there are no political secrets. Everybody knows everything. But in public, and, and you know, stabbing each other in the back, trying to get control of wow. you know, the Labor Party. But in public, they... they they presented a united front, and everybody kind of knew it was false, but that's the game, and that's how you work, because ultimately... Yeah, the yeah but you're make, I think you're making a mistake. By the way, because it really stuck out to me when Lapid said, look, Gantz and Netanyahu, you talk, the way you're talking now, like you're going to work, we all know behind closed doors what you say to each other, and we all know what you say behind each other's back. That kind of language 
Of course that's true. We all know it's true. But that should not be the public political conversation. But he's he's setting himself up as the head of the opposition right. and still the guy to dethrone Netanyahu. And all those people who are angry at Gantz, he wants to now be their leader, right? right. Come over to me now. Right. And that language gets them. And that's her. I, I think it's politics as usual. That's all. I don't that think hurts. he's doing anything that crossed the line. That, I, I think that crosses lines. I think saying yeah, I, I would never, ever work with you on anything in the future burns a bridge. You never burn bridges. Look, nah. during, the, during, the, uh, 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 during the Republican primaries for the 1980 election, George H.W. Uh, Bush, the father, Herbert Walker Bush, really made fun of Ronald Reagan. And he said that his whole economic plan was voodoo economics. And, you know, he's, he's not a serious guy. He became the vice president to Ronald Reagan for eight years yeah. because Reagan said, okay, I know, that's politics. It's a hardball game. We right. take our punches, yeah. but then it's time to work together and we drop it. What, what yeah. Lapid said to his followers were scorched earth. There is never going to be a way to work with Gantz on anything ever again. Now, I guarantee you, within the next several months, there are things for the good of the nation that Lapid should cooperate with Gantz on. So they will say that. So say, look, I'm, as the leader of the opposition, I'm going to criticize this, I'm going to criticize that, but I'm the leader of the loyal opposition. And so, you know, let's hope for the best for everything. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think you're, you're, I don't think you're built, you're re responding to how the politics works in the speeches of the Knesset, but I don't know, that Rachel, maybe Rachel follows this much more than me, what she thinks. Like, like you said, in the Knesset, they can say anything they want, and it's very... Like, we have to, to understand who actually will hear that. Like, who is actually, who are, they are speaking to the public, okay? The Knesset is it's broadcasted on live, and people will see it and people will hear it. Mm -hmm. But he's speaking to the members of the Knesset. And as you said, by, by the end, they will have to work together in any ways. The opposition in Israel, they will, they will always say they're in the opposition, they cannot do anything. And it's the opposite. And I think today... The Knesset, it's a little bit, because of this huge government, the Knesset and the work of the Knesset will be weakened. Why? It's weak. Why? Because the, gov the, the, the ministers and vice ministers, they cannot participate as members of the Knesset in the Knesset commissions. So they cannot be there because, of course, the role of the commissions is to equilibrate and to criticize the work of the government. Mm -hmm. So they're not allowed to participate as members of the Knesset. So that gives the opposition a lot of power because they are members of every commission and they can actually influence in the legislation very, very much, specifically in this kind of huge government. So Lapid has a lot of space and a lot of room to work and to try to influence. Of course, he doesn't have the majority, but they can write the issues of, in the agenda and they can influence more than even in other Knesset that the, mini, that the government is not that big. Of course, that, that is something that will make the Knesset not very efficient because the members of the coalition that remains in the, in the commission, which means they are not minister, are very few. They will have to change commissions all the time. They will be members of a lot, a lot, a lot of commissions and actually the work of the coalition in the Knesset in those days will be harder than the opposition uh, because opposition, they, they, they clearly can use the Knesset in their own favor if they do it 
in an intelligent way. And for example, that's how the Arabs work because the Arab parties, they were always in the opposition yeah. and they are able to influence from inside the Knesset, even from the opposition. Of course. So I, 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 I hope that Lapid takes this and instead of criticizing and thinking how he will never work with Gantz again, he will say, okay, now we will influence, we will try to do something from here. Well, I think he's going to have to, which is part of what makes the, the language silly. And I always saw Lapid, for better or for worse, as a guy who wanted not just to be a factional leader, but who wanted one day to be prime minister. Now, maybe he's reconciled himself to the what's okay. seeming truth, which is he'll never be that national leader. But this or is not the language like of it. He sees it worked for Bibi. He sees it worked for Bibi, that language. So. And that's why Bibi won't be remembered as the great national leader, that his his legacy is tarnished by his factionalism and self-interest. Uh, and and it, it does... Look, the, is it precedented in Israeli history? Sure. Is it precedent in American history? Sure. But I, I give much more credit to Gantz, who actually quoted Lincoln's second inaugural uh, in Hebrew, which was super cool, you know, with charity towards all, with malice towards none, we're going to rebuild from this. I mean, he said it's like it's almost like we have a, 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 have had a civil war, and now we have to rebuild. And I think that's the tone of a leader, and not a politician. And I think, and I think, I, I think it was not only in the speech, but I think in his decision making. In my mind, in my little dumb pundit chair, sitting here on my sofa recording a podcast, I think Gantz came across much more as a leader and Lapid came across much more as a politician. Yes, I actually heard yesterday's uh, interview to Gantz. I don't know if you, if you heard in television with uh, Ilana Dayan in uh, the program. I highly recommend it because she asked him many questions that we are speaking about now. What about what happened inside? What happened with Lapid? Like very like schmoozing inside uh, what really happened. Right. But one of the things Gantz said that he's learning to be a politician because he's not a politician. He right. doesn't like politics that much. Right. But he wants to be a leader and he wants to be, I don't know, to do the best things for, uh, for Israel and try to, to lead Israel. And he's learning politics. And I think he's learning politics in a very, very harsh way. Like uh, they're slapping on his face, all the, those politicians, yeah. and he's trying to learn this way. Well, he's a and big he boy. Said, he said, I don't like it, but I don't have any. I want to be here and I will learn what I need to learn. Yeah. And I even learning from Netanyahu. I am learning from yeah. him because he's a good politician and I need to take some things for the best and for the bad. And he's in a position like, okay, I, I'm new on it, in this. And, and, and he could be a prime minister that doesn't have any political experience. It's a tough so. game. It's a, look, one of the things I'm doing now in lockdown even though things are opening up a little, so you you know you take on little projects. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted to read Churchill's uh, World War II memoirs. It's four books, four pretty thick books. So I'm, I'm I'm now in the second volume, and one of the things that's striking me in real time is, you know, here's a guy who, leading up to World War II, you know, whatever the pluses and minuses are of Churchill, in the years leading up to World War II, he was warning that we have to deal with Germany now, or it's going to erupt into something much more difficult to deal with. And obviously, history proved him right. And, you know, so now he's in the position of I told you sowing and ridiculing Chamberlain and, and all these other, you know, uh, uh, politicians from, from his opposing party. And he's so respectful to them. And he defends them. And, you know, he says, okay, they were wrong. We're all, we all, you know, it happens to be that my predictions were correct. 
But, you know, they were so they did it with such fervent loyalty. And once the facts came around that I was great, you know, the level of, 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 of service that they provided, you know, he's such praise for almost all of his political opponents. And I would even say he has he has a certain respectful tone towards even 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 enemies, you know, German generals or Italian generals that he says, you know, obviously they did terrible things. But, you know, here are the it, it, it's to me. And 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 Alan, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm remembering with rosy colored glasses, and and it's definitely different in Israel than in other countries. But there's a certain. I don't think a democracy can work without civility. And when you burn, when you when you when you scorched earth like that, is there precedent in Israel? Yeah. By the way, I, I think you don't have to go past Ben Gurion to find. You know, a kind of scorched earth uh, rhetoric. But I thought we got a very past divisive that. leader. Very divisive. Uh, we we met, you know, when the Ben Gurion's, uh, uh, you talk about legacies. His legacy is amazing, but he was a very divisive Correct. leader. Correct. At a crazy time of of taking a nation, building it out of nothing. But if you want a democracy to grow and sustain and to nurture it, uh, I, I think you know. Look, Begin, Begin was the loyal opposition, and except for the Holocaust reparations issue, I think he played that role with real. And, and, and I'm not going to judge him one way or the other on the Holocaust reparations issue, where he really went, you know. I, they thought that was going to bring a civil war in Israel. Yeah, it was very... close to civil war. So, so at least in perception. So, yeah. so that issue was one that he really, I think, crossed those sorts of lines of rhetoric. But other than that, I think he was a model both out of power and in power of how you talk about your opposition. You disagree strongly. You fight hard. And when the battle's over... But even during, you still stay respectful and civil. But but afterwards, you have to reconcile because there's work you're going to have to do together. It's such an elementary concept. Anyway, I don't want to get. I, I just yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think you're you're over uh, you're over exaggerating the rhetoric. I was shocked by that speech. I was shocked. Yeah, I can see. I yeah. can see. <laughs> I was shocked. You would never, you would never invite them into your house. You wouldn't want to be friends with them. You would never sit across the table. You'd never go to lunch with them. Why would I ever work with a person like that? He didn't even say, he didn't even give him the courtesy of saying his name. And this after Gantz really, I thought was, you know, a very look, you know, I know we disagreed. We, you know, we fought hard to this. We disagree respectfully, but now we'll work together. And Lapid just threw it in his face. Okay, so I want to switch because we're. I think I'm. I think I'm at this point ranting. So uh, it's a good therapy session for you. I think it. Must I think be. that's what it's become. And thank you, my, uh, thank you, group. My name is Michael. I am a. Uh, I am a political addict. A democratic uh, obsessive. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so crazy. Too many ministries. Let's try to do this in at least maybe a little bit of a lighter way. What do you think is the dumbest new or changed ministry? We'll start with Rachel and then Alan, then I'll give mine. Let's see if we pick different ones. <laughs> okay, I don't think there are like a silly ministries, okay? Because all of the ministries that they gave up, they were part of other ministry or there were projects developing in, in, in the government or something like that. And they are not, they, 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 they have things to work on. They will even have a... Budget, but they are kind of serious because you don't have you don't have to to assign a minister to every issue we have in this country. Right. Like the the whole idea is to in, one minister has to take care of different issues, but because they the, the deal was to to include 
everyone in the deal and to split it half and half equally. So they needed to split and to give up a lot, a lot of, of, of ministries to so many people. So we could have people. a bunch of ministers and Blue and White could have a bunch of ministers. But come on, the Rachel. The same I'm amount. Not, I'm not saying the issues aren't important. I'm saying, don't you think some of these are silly to have a minister in charge of? Yeah, well, everyone in Israel, at least, are making fun of the Ministry of Water. Like Zeph Elkin got the minister who is in charge of water, which is the first time in Israel we have this only about water and about the universities. Like, uh, how do yeah, you that's spell, weird. Uh, Merging higher education, okay, higher together. education and water. So he's in charge of the universities and he's in charge of the water. So he doesn't I'm have to do... I'm kind of shocked that people are making fun of a water ministry. In other words... Me too. Because it's... It, I also checked in most of the... Like in many, many countries, they have a minister who's in charge of water, specifically in the Middle East and yeah. in Africa, which is a, a main issue. So I'm not against that, actually. They, yeah, I didn't think that was so crazy. And it's broken it's out not. of the... And everybody in Israel, it's making fun of it, like, what he, like everyone. So well, it I is think silly to combine it with higher education, right? That sounds that's odd. The, that's Especially the silly thing, that the same guy will, will, will be in charge of those... Two issues. I don't know how he, he will Makes do no it. Sense. I don't know how he will split himself in these two ministries. And the Minister of Water will be... It can be together with the Minister of Agriculture or, or Energy or something. Yeah, it's that broken you can, off from other things, right? It's taken yeah, out of... So yeah, of course. That's, that's how you can see how hard it was for Netanyahu to deal with, his, with the Likud uh, members. He didn't have enough ministers to, to give to the, to the Likud members and he was supposed to swarm the government on Thursday. And right. he didn't do it because he, he had internal issues with the Likud party because people of the Likud party were mad because they wanted something else or because they wanted something. So yeah. he had internal issues giving uh, all these uh, ministers to different uh, we got people. And of course, that. we have more important we got- ministers, we have less important ministers. And if Bibi Netanyahu gave an important minister to you, it means that... For Bibi Netanyahu, you're important or not that important. Well, yeah. yeah. So, like, you don't start, so not for me, any, that's ridiculous right. that the Likud members were fighting that much for ministers that are like more important, less important, instead of giving up, actually. And we had some members of the Likud that actually gave up so to, some, uh, to some requirements. For example, I heard an interview, maybe nobody least, uh, heard it, with uh, Sharena Skel. She's from the Likud party. Uh-huh. She's very young. And she's very good. Like, she's very Likuding, but she's very good. And Vivi Netanyahu said, well, I have nothing to give you, but maybe you want to be the ambassador in Australia. And she said, don't give me anything. I will be a member of the Knesset. I will try to do my best as a member of the Knesset. Don't send me away mm-hmm. because you just have, have to give me something. Right. We have this kind of people that also just gave up. Even Nir Barkat, you know, Nir Barkat, he was the mayor right. of Jerusalem. And, and he was expecting talk. to be the mayor of Treasury like um, yeah. a while a while ago. Now he said, "Okay, I didn't receive anything this time. I will not." As you said, I cannot burn the bridges with Netanyahu, and I will not get mad, and I will just don't make any war here. I will sit down, be a member of the Knesset, and maybe next time I will get something. Well, uh, maybe I'm reading too why... much into Gidon Sar's tweet, which was, yeah. "You know, there's no shame in being a member of Knesset. Like that used to be yeah. a very that's, important job." That's what I think, and that's. Yeah. Well, I think that the Knesset has to have that power. Yeah. They have to work, they have to legislate. If there are too many ministries, again, they are, they are neglecting the Knesset. So that's something we have to take into account. Yeah, it's, it, and yeah. It's, it's politically, I mean, that's part of why I think the nation is so frustrated. Like, really, you're going to, jo- this is an emergency government and you're all jockeying for some dumb title? 
because you think it'll bur- you know it'll look good I on think, your political CV. And I think it's I, I actually think it, it it all as as Rachel was saying that it weakens the Knesset. I think it also weakens the government because it's clear that they're not going to be able to make any decisions with 35, 36 ministers, that it's going to come down to like very small groups within that. So <coughs> it's a little bit ridiculous in that sense. I think that that's, <coughs> sorry, um, excuse me. Um, I think that that's really the, 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 the biggest problem here is that I, 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 I like the whole point of this is bring stability in government and I really wonder if such a bloated government and such ignoring of the power of the Knesset and, and the responsibility and importance of the Knesset is going to end up bringing stability. I guess that that's my backtracking but, from last week with saying, oh, stability at almost any cost. But I, I don't know if something like this can bring stability. So can I throw in Maya? Yeah, I just want to point out that Rachel mentioned that Zev Elkin is doing higher education and water resources, but only for yeah. 18 months. Right, and then he's yeah. going to switch to transportation, which Chaviv in the Redagur in the Friends of the Podcast said in his column in the Times of Israel. He said, "Making a minister for eighteen months, you're just getting started, and so yeah. if you if you create an eighteen month, you need the four years to sort of learn what you're doing and get rolling. At eighteen months, you know you've 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 now learned, you've gotten your training wheels off, and you're ready to go. And now you're going to switch, which means." It's probably not going to work anyway. Go ahead, Alan. What's your right. choice? Right. There's a big learning curve. I just I would just encourage Mike for you to put the link to Khabib's article on our with the podcast. Oh, sure. It's such yeah, a great course. article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, my my question is uh, again, I don't know ridiculous or not. If that's the the but David Amsalam, David Amsalam, yeah. who is a minister responsible for liaison between the Knesset and the government. Yeah. Seems like a very <laughs> absurd ministry They're all in the to same me. Room. They're all I, the same people. Same room, same people, and also I like you have like a speaker that like the Knesset, like the head of Knesset, isn't that kind of like his department, like of of between, and you have um, you know other the whips, you know the whip of the party, yep. like what like aren't these like jobs that are or that's the point of them? Yeah. I think he will he will just bother the work between the yeah. Knesset and the government. Yeah, it's just yeah. another layer. Yeah. To me, it, it seemed like you know in a sitcom when somebody's like, "Well, I'm not speaking to so and so, and they're in the same room, so you tell so and so," and then you know the so and so says, "Well, you tell them," and then the person in the middle is like, "Enough!" Like that's how I'm picturing the Amsalem. Uh, I also have to. I would also like to point out one more thing. It's not a uh, the important ministries that they got, but because they got those two ministries, so that created this whole. Right, ballooning. It's not only the fact that there's people getting ridiculous or things that have been broken up, but that because they had to give to other people, right? Right. So, for instance, the Labor Party that brought in two ministers, two people get two ministries, right? Or right, or the Derek Eretz Party is one person. He comes in, he gets a whole ministry because yeah. of this kind of like as opposed to them saying, okay, we understand the situation we're in. You know, we'll, 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 we'll take an issue. We'll take a deputy. We'll take a, a committee. We'll head a committee that's important. Now, again, labor taking the welfare and the, the important things. Yes, that's a, that's a, an important part of what labor is there about. But now they force this bloated government, which is taking all this money. Doesn't that seem to be, to be a little bit of a contradiction in terms of labor's ideals, right? Couldn't they, they could have taken the finance committee, which has now gone over to the Haredi party. Yeah. To be in the finance committee, which is a hugely important committee, as Rachel was saying, for maybe the most important. Yes, exactly. 
And that's and it's a super important committee, and that's why Haredim have learned to use the system. And we all, people want to know how they wield so much power. Like they're such a small because they don't they don't grab those big. They're holding the purse strings. Yeah, they're not grabbing the big chairs up top, but they are holding the 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 very important committees that work the 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 budgets and the funding. Yeah, I so, mean, and all of this is I think all valid that Lapid brought up in his speech that that shows that this is bloated and dysfunctional. Yeah, I just again I wish the tone was different. I, I can I I'll tell you guys my picks. Okay, my favorites are the Minister for Strengthening and Advancing Community. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, Rachel, like, I agree most of these are real issues, that, but I don't think need ministries. Minister for Strengthening and Advancing Community? A joke that I heard is like, she she's going to be the minister of the JCC, it's like the community <laughs> yeah. centers, what, yeah. what she will do. What is like, that? What is, yeah. Also, like a mini party that needed a seat from Gesher. Of course. A one person. Uh, a one person. One person. One person party, and that's it. So they made up a ministry. So now there's going to be an office with a secretary and a driver and a security detail for the Minister for Strengthening and Advancing Community. And I would also say, I don't know, I think it might be a tie, the Jerusalem and Heritage Minister. That's not new. The Minister of Jerusalem? Yes, it's not new. No, it's not new. <laughs> okay, but come on. Jerusalem okay. and heritage? No, well, because Jerusalem is, you know, the capital and brings all the tourism. Of course, you do have a tourism minister, but okay. You have a tourism minister and Jerusalem has a mayor. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah it just for you to know, we are the country where we're, we're with most uh, ministers in the world. Like, there's no other country with that amount of, of ministries. Yeah. yeah. Even ministers, like, even, even countries like are really... Similar to us, like Austria or, or Norway, like in the, in the way the politics works, they don't have more than 15, 20 ministers. In Israel, they just try to, uh, to get into the negotiations and get to the deal with the amount of ministers instead of speaking about other ways to negotiate. It's not the only thing that you have to negotiate when you are negotiating right. a coalition agreement. All right. Well, you can negotiate laws, you can negotiate projects, you can negotiate budget. You don't have to be on power in order to influence again. Exactly. If you can exactly. you can negotiate a specific amount of of budget for your own interest and you can do it via the Knesset with laws. So you don't have to head a minister in order to influence and Every to and to demonstrate your your ideology or your the way you want to 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 see the the the, the country going to so you know when when Jabotinsky and Trumpeldor were working uh, on creating the Jewish Legion during World War one uh, one of the things that Jabotinsky was saying Jabotinsky said to Trumpeldor you know I don't know how we're going to get people to make Aliyah like there just aren't so many great jobs yet in Palestine it was in Palestine Um you know, I don't think people are going to necessarily want to leave better careers here to have harder work for less pay there. And Trimpleter said, I don't think you understand what Zionists are. You know, if you need a, a, a hammer, I'll be a hammer. If you need a wrench, I'll be a wrench. Whatever you need, whatever the nation needs, that's what we'll do. And that's not the spirit we're seeing in this drive <laughs> to, I need a ministry of this and I need a title that. Uh, so, so uh, again, you know, like we've talked about why there are so many ministries, how, it, how you know, Netanyahu needed it to create this quote-unquote stable government, and why it's so different from all previous governments, and all governments, as Rachel pointed out, around the world. And some of them seem strange, and some of them seem split in weird ways. So as we close up, guys, I want your most 
optimistic spin on this because we opened with positivity. I want to close also with no, uh, yeah. with with a positive takeaway because because there is a lot to be worried about and a lot to be concerned with. I don't want you know not not a silly, uh, but but. So <laughs> I can see will, Alan's uh, face right now as he's trying to think of how to sound optimistic. <laughs> I, I, I have one. That's yeah. a potential. Yeah. I, I will say I, I was influenced by Chaviv's thinking on this. I've been influenced by Chaviv's thinking on this, which is the potential for a leader emerging this as Gantz, potential for emerging this as a national leader that we need. Mm. Um, that as opposed to, even though with the bloated government, all this, like he put, I think he recognizes that, but he, he saw this deadlock need to be broken some way. And he was willing to even fall on the sword a little bit, right? With Lapid, mm-hmm. like all that stuff we've been talking about. And I think that that has potential um, in, in a very positive way to build up his national image and his political standing. And like Rachel, the interview that Rachel, uh, like his his seeming authenticity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that that he could emerge from this as, you know, it, it, this could be much better than people predict, mm. right? It could actually be a gamble. Again, we all know it's a gamble, but it could be a gamble that he will replace Netanyahu and bring a certain amount of, uh, you know, legitimacy and authenticity that we've been missing for mm. the last year and a half or even a little bit more than that to the, to the government. That's pretty good, Rachel. Well, um, okay, we have a lot of ministries, even too much ministries, but there's a lot of new people there that mm. it will be very interesting to, to see uh, how they work, new leadership, a lot of uh, young people uh, over there being ministries. Uh, we have uh, uh, like the youngest ministry, she will, she will be the Minister of Minorities, I think, from, uh, from Cajolavan. Uh, she's 34. Ministries they are 36, 39 years old. Being being ministers actually and leading a a ministry that will be interesting to see them. We have also people like from my, minorities leading ministers like uh, mm-hmm. Nina Tamanoshata. She will be the first Ethiopian minister uh, in the history uh, history. She will be in the ministry of uh, of absorption and aliyah. So. That that means that they open opportunity to, to new hmm. leadership that they are in the beginning of their career as politicians and they can be very promising. So okay, they, they, they gave too many ministers, but the new people that are around there could be the next actually the next generations of of leaders, of political leaders of Israel. So we have to see how how it works and I think that could be a very good opening for uh, knowing the new, the new, the new guys over there who will be the future of the of Israel's politics. All right. Well, I found both of those ideas very comforting. Both of them, of course, are based on the idea that something will change and be different than the than the status quo, and that this may be leading to something better in the future. Which I, I think what you have to say that that we're past the deadlock and now we're in this weird, I don't know, bloated government dysfunction time but hopefully this is our gateway into a better and brighter future so i personally appreciate you giving me your optimistic spin it makes me feel better uh thank you very much rachel thank you for inviting again sure thank you you, sorry sorry let's see what happens with this government we will have another 
Oh, we're going to keep another our eye on it. podcast after a month. Let's <laughs> see how it works for a month and we'll have another podcast analyzing okay. how it worked for one month. Excellent. I'm going to take Great you idea. up on that. Yeah. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to. I'm not going to forget that offer. Alan, thank I you. I hope I have updates. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alan, thanks. Thank you, Mike. And special thank you to Ben for engineering us throughout this entire episode till the end, which this is. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.